doesn't really happen often that you get to introduce um, your dad as the person you're going to be speaking. So um, it is my pleasure to uh, announce that my dad will be speaking today. The first message I am entitled The Beast of Revelation 13. Thank you, Owen. It was nice to be introduced by your son like that. Very proud of him. Doing a good job. So today I wanted to um, uh, look at the, um, the first part of Revelation chapter 13. Um, chapter 13. Chapter 13, Revelation verses 1 through 10 describe what is called the beast from the sea, the first beast. Um, verses 11 through 18 describe what is called the beast from the earth or the false prophet. Now before I continue, I want to see if I can get this, this light to come on down here, which always helps. Yeah. <clears throat> but most of us know about the, um, the end time prophecies and w what's going to happen, but we need to um, revisit them. We need to uh, look at the material given to us in God's Holy Bible. It needs to be impressed on us what's going to happen because we need to be prepared. And if we don't live to see the return of Christ, which is possible, and all the events before his second coming, we should then pass on what we do know and our knowledge to our children or the young ones and the next generation. God has freely given us the Holy Spirit and with that spirit working in us, and with us being in tune with the Bible, we can see the signs coming. We'll know what to look for. As each prophecy in Revelation is fulfilled, we'll see what's coming next. You know, this leads to this, that will lead to that, one after the other. Another thing which I mentioned in my other message is, the deception at that time is going to be incredible. Satan will be at work trying to pull all of God's chosen people, one pull, them, pull, us, pull us away from what God says in the Bible, because events and issues will be ramped up. And Satan will come after us like a hurricane. It says it right here. But we've got to be ready to fight him and stand our ground. So, let's begin in Revelation chapter 13. Um, this is often to referred to, this, this end period, um, the last three and a half years um, before the return of Christ. Um, many events have already happened, still many to come. The great cosmic disturbances on the horizon. But, let's begin here, Revelation chapter 13. And if you do have bookmarks, I'd like you to keep a bookmark in there because we'll coming back and forth from a couple of different other scriptures today. So, let's begin Revelation chapter 13, and we'll look at verses 1 and 2 first. Verse 1. Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his head, on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, his feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. 
Now we can also look at um, Revelation chapter 17, verses 12 through 13, because these um, seven heads and ten horns uh, refers to ten leaders who will be there at the end time. But let's quickly, because if, you, if you're not sure about the ten leaders, if you just quickly go over to chapter, Revelation chapter 17, verses 12 and 13, John in another vision explains here what they are. Revelation 17, verses 12 and 13. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. See, one hour, not very long time. These are of one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. We're all working in unison, all working together. And then if you will also keep a bookmark in Daniel chapter 7, because Dan Daniel ties in a lot with Revelation. The two go hand in hand together. So we're going to go over to Re uh, sorry, Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7, and we'll look at verses 7 and 8 just to begin with first here to tie in Revelation 13 verses 1 and 2. Daniel chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. After this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, the fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. Because uh, Daniel had been given visions of these three other beasts. Because what had happened uh, in the previous chapter, uh, I think Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar had had a vision, had a dream. Nobody could decipher it except Daniel. Um, a head of gold, a head of gold, um, chest and arms of silver, belly and thigh of bronze, and, uh, and what they represented were the ancient civilizations at the time, Babylon, Persia, the Greeks, and the feet partly of iron and clay represented the Roman Empire, four kingdoms. So this fourth beast, Daniel has his vision, and is, this is the most terrible beast that he comes up with, that he sees. Dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong, it had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. Again, there's that ten horns reference. I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. And there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking pompous words. <clears throat> so, as John is clearly referring to the other empires in, in verse 2, the leopard is the Greek empire, the feet of a bear is the Persian empire, and the mouth of a lion is ancient Babylon. So this composite beast is a resurrection, like I said, of the fourth beast, the Roman empire. But you also go notice, we go back to Revelation chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, it's he. It's not them or they. So it's referring to one man, a man. It's he, it's his, him, and so on. So, staying in Daniel, if you skip forward a few verses, 
Um, let's see, I'm going to look at Daniel chapter 7, verses 15 through 25. This gives us a bit more detail and breakdown of this beast in Revelation. There's a lot more detail, in fact, but it definitely helps in the whole story of how we can decipher and determine who this man is and what he is, uh, he's up to. So Daniel chapter 7, verses 15 through 25, is that up there? There we go. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven, he came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, then all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. Sorry, I read the verse. I read the verse before that, sorry. Okay, this is it. I, Daniel, was screamed in my spirit within my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. I came near to one of those who stood by me. This would be an angel and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. Those great beasts, which are four, are four kings which arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Daniel says, Then I wish to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the others exceedingly dreadful, with its teeth of iron and its nails of bronze, which devoured, broke in pieces, and trampled the residue with its feet. Because the other beasts, Daniel could recognize them, you know, leopards, lions, bears, he knew what they were. This one he couldn't describe, and that's why a lot of artist renditions usually show a, a dinosaur. There's no real way to know exactly what Daniel saw. So, uh, in verse 20 here, so it said it trampled the residue with its feet. Verse 20, And the ten horns that were on its head, and the other horn which came up, before which three fell, namely that horn which had eyes and a mouth which spoke pompous words, whose appearance was greater than his fellows. So again, this is a, a man. You know, he sees eyes speaking pompous words. I was watching, and the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them until the Ancient of Days, God Almighty himself, and a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High, and the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all other kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, trample it, and break it in pieces. And we saw this happen with the Roman Empire at the time, completely dominated most of the known world at the time as far west as Ireland, as far east as uh, the Middle East. Uh, verse 24, The ten horns are ten kings which shall arise from this kingdom, and another shall rise after them. He shall be different from the first ones, and shall subdue three kings. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and law, then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times and half a time. So, that gives us a lot of information right there, which ties exactly into Revelation 13 and the beast power. So 
So I'm going to go back to Revelation chapter 13. And we will refer back to what Daniel said there in verses 15 through 25. But for now, let's continue on Revelation chapter 13, verses 3 and 4. Verse 3. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And this deadly wound it refers to as it being healed uh, refers to the Roman Empire, which ended in 476 AD. But the Roman Empire was resurrected in various forms over the coming 1,200 years. It didn't completely die out. The Catholic Church kept it going in many ways. Um, you had Charlemagne. You had other emperors throughout the centuries. It wasn't by any means the Roman Empire in its former form, but it kept going with the Roman Catholic Church until... Um, I believe it was uh, Napoleon in the early 18th century when it finally kind of died down. But the Catholic Church, of course, kept on going um, and keeping up their, um, their horror of persecuting true believers. Um, so, verses, uh, so that was verse 3. So this um, mortal wound and deadly wound was healed refers to the death of the Roman Empire at that time. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. So verse 4, So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, who is able to make war with him? So this first beast, here Revelation chapter 13, is clearly an antichrist, antichrist type of person. Because he defines all the definitions of what an antichrist is. What does it antichrist means? It means against Christ, uh, an adversary of Christ, an opponent of Christ, all definitions of the antichrist. Because he's about to, John will explain what else is about to happen, and it clearly leads us down that path. But let's get back to Second uh, Thessalonians, because this is another important scripture which, which is always tied into Revelation 13. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, and for the time being we'll look at verses 3 and 6. And I referred to these, these scriptures in my last message too, because although Paul is not known for giving stuff about the end times, this is very important to Revelation 13 and the whole scheme and the whole uh, chronological event of things. So, Second Thess- Thess- Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. Verse 3, Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. See? Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told these things. So Paul's telling the people in Thessalonica, Thessalonica, I've already t- spoke to you about these things, but I'll remind you anyway. Here we go. And verse 6, And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. So, son of perdition, man of sin, clearly referring to this same beast. <clears throat> And whether it's knowingly or unwittingly, the people of the world at the time of this beast power are worshipping this beast 
bigger, but they're also worshipping Satan too. Whether it's knowingly or unwittingly, that's what's happening because Satan is the one powering this man and giving him his power. If it seems incre- if you think that it's, it seems incredible that this worship will happen in the future like this, we don't have to go back very far to see how it can happen where millions of people can be swayed. You just have to go back to World War II where the, um, the Japanese people were required to worship the Emperor of Japan. He had tremendous power and sway in Japan. They did what he said. What he said when. And Japanese soldiers fought for him and would rather commit suicide than, than give in to the, the enemy, the Americans and, and the Brits. But, um, and, and I'm sure if Hitler had built an image for himself in Germany, the same thing would have happened. They would have worshipped it. These, these people in the past, they had incredible sway, incredible power, mesmerizing power over their people. And it could happen. And when you have Satan powering this beast power at the end time, it's, it's no small wonder how it could happen. <clears throat> but as it says, going back to Revelation 13, you have to wonder um, in verses uh, 3 and 4 here, um, you know, has the might of America at this point diminished? Uh, because they say, who is like the beast who is able to make war with him? America is the, the number one superpower right now. But this end time empire or power will be incredibly powerful. Um, and uh, the world will marvel at it. Realize this guy is not to be messed with. So, we'll continue in Revelation 13. Let's look at verse 5. Revelation 13 and verse 5. And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And this, this kind of goes back to Daniel 7, speaking pompous words. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months. And this is a very significant reference too. The three and a half years, 42 months, the time, times, and half a time are very significant in end time prophecy. They mentioned the seven they're mentioned seven times, um, both in Daniel, Revelation, and various other places. Very significant to the last three and a half years before Christ's return. And then verse 6. Now this is where it starts ramping up to a whole other degree. And this man, this beast power, really steps over the margin if he hadn't already at this point. Revelation 13, verse 6. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. Remember in Daniel, like I said, pompous words. But here, this beast power, this man, this antichrist, is challenging God with Satan fully behind him and the false prophet too, who's also there performing signs and wonders by his side, don't forget. He's saying, here I am now on earth, world people, I'm here. Look at me. I'm God, worship me, look what I can do, as his false prophet brings down fire from heaven. You know, not only would you be terrified, but you think, wow, who is this guy? But who lives in heaven? Who is he challenging? God the Father, Jesus Christ his Son, and the millions of angels. See? 
that's who this man, this beast power, is challenging. Now, you've got to remember at this time that the, the deception will be running full steam and many will be deceived. Satan will blind the people of the world to believe everything he does and says. See? But by doing this, he's taking it to a whole other level. <clears throat> and as you read in, in Daniel chapter 7 earlier, and verse 25, I just want to go back there and read that verse again, because this is very important too, the whole um, scheme of things. Daniel chapter 7, and verse 25 itself is very... Um, it's very meaningful. Daniel chapter 7, verse 25. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and law. Now this is a very significant part here. Change times and law. What does that mean? Well, this happened many times over the course of the, the Roman Empire and other empires at the time. But did you know that, um, for example, Emperor Constantine, around the 300s AD, um, by decree, changed the Sabbath from the Jewish Sabbath of Saturday to Sunday. Um, and then through the Council of Nicaea, the Passover was changed from the Passover to Easter Sunday also go along with the many other religions that were coming in from the Far East and to appease everyone, to bring more people to them. But even worship in the homes was outlawed by Constantine and the punishment was death for those who were caught breaking these laws. And there's, there's many more. You can look it up. Constantine passed all these decrees. Worship me and my ways. Do not do any of those Jewish things. The punishment will be death. So Laws and times can be changed very easily by an all-powerful ruler, you know, dictator. It's happened in many other countries around the world over the last couple of centuries, how these people <clears throat> gain absolute power and can do these things very easily. But when it starts coming down on us and our beliefs and our understanding, then it's going to be a problem. So, going back to Revelation chapter 13, And I go back to uh, verse 7 here. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and overcome them, and authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. And unfortunately, this is a pattern which is repeated throughout the end times in the book of Revelation, where <clears throat> it was granted to the beast power through Satan to make war with the saints and overcome them, so that we will be hunted down, imprisoned, and then killed. But if you and and to, just to confirm that, just a few few um, scriptures back in Revelation chapter twelve, verse seventeen. Um, this is the heading for this part of the, of the chapter: is the woman persecuted at the church. Uh, Revelation twelve, verse seventeen, and the dragon was enraged with the woman, which is the church. And he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So, but we've also got to remember 
God is in control, he allows these events to happen. One reason being, if, if you leave or let man control everything, like what's going to happen here with this guy, look where it leads to, death and destruction. But as it says in verse 14 of Revelation chapter 12, very significant part here, very important verse, uh, verse, verse 14 of Revelation 12, but the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time in the presence of the serpent. So some of us will be supernaturally protected for those last three and a half years. But the persecution against true believers will be incredible. So let's read on here, Revelation chapter 13 and verse 8. Revelation 13 and verse 8. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, worship this beast power, this man, this being, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. This is a very important part. What does this mean? Well, let's refer back to Luke chapter 10 and verse 20. Luke chapter 10 and verse 20. This is where Jesus is, uh, you know, the, the heading of this part of the chapter is a 70 return with joy. Jesus tells them, verse 20 of Luke 10, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Our names are written in heaven those of us who have kept his commandments and followed Christ's example as best we can. The holy days, the Feast of Tabernacles, Passover, Atonement, keeping the Sabbath, trying to be as best example of following Christ as we can. There was a place for us to have been saved. <clears throat> Our name could be blotted out from the Book of Life, there are ways of going about that, and we don't want that, obviously. But that could happen if we fall away from Christ. But as we look at, John, uh, as John tells us in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 5, I'm going to go back to Revelation real quick. One verse. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 5. And here... Um, Christ is talking to John about the, the seven churches. Uh, and verse 5, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot, blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. So in other words, if we hold on, maintain our truthful way, we're good. But we have to pray and hope that our names are written in heaven, that we have a special place there. Those who are written in the book of life will not be deceived, you see. And their place in the kingdom is secure. And that's what it all comes down to in the sense of being deceived by this beast power 
if we are truly infused with the Holy Spirit, although it's going to be very hard and other things will be going on, signs and wonders, we won't be deceived. So I want to go back to um, 2 Thessalonians just to tie in everything here one last time in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and now verses 10 through 12. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 10 through 12 just to include this part to bring it all together. Verse 10, And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved, and for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. It's very significant here. They did not love the truth. This is where our belief and strength in the Holy Spirit sees us through. If we love the truth and block our ears to Satan's whispers, we can see through the deception that will be sent our way, sent in our direction. Because you've got, you got to know what your Bible says and be prepared by knowing God's truth in the scripture, Scriptures so we won't be deceived. So finally, going back to, to, to complete this section of uh, the first part of Revelation chapter 13, let's, let's read the last two verses here of, uh, of this section, verses 9 and 10. Uh, so, let me see. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and faith of the saints. So our patience and faith will be tested like never before in those last three and a half years before Christ's return. It's not a very long time, three and a half years, but a lot can happen because as this man of sin or antichrist wars against us and God, we know the outcome and the final result. We do know that and it's written down for us here in the book of Revelation. But by being awake to all these scriptures, we'll be ready for when this beast comes on the scene. So we'll be able to say, that's him. You know what you're looking for. Look what he's doing. Look what he just said. We'll know what's coming. So that's, that's basically what I want to talk about today. The first beast of Revelation chapter 13, the beast from the sea. I know there's a lot to take in, and some of it can be complicated and hard to follow along. I know. I'm trying my best here. It's, 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 it's prophecy. It's, it can be tricky sometimes. But that's the first beast. And my next message, I'm going to talk about the second beast, the beast from the earth, which is the false prophet.